everyone, and welcome to all our first-time listeners. We'd like to give a special shout-out to our friends from Canada for their unwavering support of the Bible Basics Podcast. We truly appreciate you. Now, here's a fascinating thought for you. Did you realize that over a third of the Bible is written in the form of poetry? It's an astonishing fact when you stop to think about it. So you might be curious. What exactly is biblical poetry? And what's the value of understanding it? Well, you're in for a treat. Because in this episode of the Bible Basics Podcast, we're delving deep into those questions and more. Well, welcome everyone. I'm your host, Jackie Adewale, and this is the Bible Basics Podcast, where weekly we break down the Bible into understandable, bite-sized chunks. Poetry is the second most prevalent genre in the Bible and makes up about one-third of the scriptures. Books like Job, Psalms, Proverbs, Song of Solomon, and Lamentations are predominantly poetic, but virtually every Old Testament book contains some form of poetry. And I understand that not everyone is naturally drawn to poetry. I'm in that boat myself. However, I've come to appreciate and even enjoy it more over time. With such a significant portion of Scripture being in poetic form, I believe it's essential to explore and appreciate it further. In ancient Israel, Hebrew poetry had a special significance as a tool for learning and memorization. Anything deemed worthy of preservation in memory was frequently expressed through poetry. Just as we easily recall song lyrics from memory more readily than sentences from books or speeches, the Israelites found it easy to commit poetic compositions to memory and recall them. This proved invaluable in a time when reading and writing were rare skills, and the personal ownership of written documents was virtually non-existent. Let's begin our journey by exploring some of the key characteristics of Hebrew poetry in the Bible. It's distinguished by its use of various literary techniques, including parallelism, imagery, and figures of speech. It's important to note that not all these features are present in every instance of Hebrew poetry. Parallelism is a fundamental characteristic of biblical poetry, setting it apart from Western poems that rely often on rhyme and meter. There are various types of parallelism. We'll explore three of them. Synonymous, antithetic, and chiastic. Synonymous parallelism is the most common type where the second line restates the idea of the first using different words or synonyms. For instance, in Psalm 122, we find the phrase, Save me, Lord, from lying lips and from deceitful tongues. In this example, lying lips and deceitful tongues both refer to someone who isn't truthful. 
Then there's antithetic parallelism. This involves contrasting the thoughts of the first line with the second, often reinforcing the message of the first. Here's an instance that we can find in Proverbs 10.1, where it's written, A wise son brings joy to his father, but a foolish son brings grief to his mother. Here, a wise son is contrasted with a foolish son. And the third type of parallelism we'll talk about is the chiastic parallelism. This is where we reverse the order of the second line compared to the first. It creates a sort of a symmetrical structure that makes the point memorable. Mark 2, 27, where Jesus says, The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath, is an example of chiastic parallelism. Matthew 19.30 is another classic chiastic parallel verse stating, The first shall be last, and the last first. So in summary, we've explored three types of parallelism in Hebrew poetry, synonymous, antithetic, and chiastic. Now let's delve into the fascinating realm of imagery. It's sometimes said that a picture is worth a thousand words. In the world of Hebrew poetry, this concept comes to life through the frequent use of vivid imagery. The two specific types we'll discuss are similes and metaphors. Similes are clear comparisons using the words like or as. Consider Psalm 42.1, which beautifully illustrates this. As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. In this verse, the psalmist likens the longing of his soul to that of a deer. Another compelling example can be found in Isaiah 1.18. Come now, let us settle the matter, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they are red as crimson, they shall be like wool. Now let's journey into the world of metaphors. They directly identify one thing with another and don't rely on like or as. I'd like to share a poignant excerpt from Linganeer Ministries offering insights into reading metaphors in Hebrew poetry. You can find a link to the complete article in our show notes. It says that metaphors provide powerful ways of seeing reality. Consider Jeremiah 2.13. My people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and hewed out cisterns for themselves, broken cisterns that can hold no water. To grasp these metaphors fully, we need to visualize the imagery. A fountain is a spring where water naturally bubbles up out of the ground, providing clear, fresh water for free. This reflects the overflowing goodness of God. In contrast, a cistern is a pit with a small opening that needs to be dug out of a rock and plastered to avoid leakage requires hard work. 
Idols are like broken cisterns. They don't even hold water. All that's left is sludge. The tragedy of sin is that we trade the fountain of living water for broken cisterns. Note that biblical imagery often draws on familiar aspects of life, such as fountains or cisterns, to convey profound truths. However, it can be challenging for modern readers who may not be familiar with the same things the original audience was, like agriculture or animal-related items. To gain a better understanding of imagery used in biblical times, I recommend you turn to a reliable Bible dictionary or a study Bible. Now, let's delve into the third feature of biblical poetry known as figures of speech. These add depth and interest to the material. We'll explore three types of figures of speech, hyperbole, anthropomorphism, and personification. Don't let those big words fool you. They're really simple concepts to understand. Hyperbole uses exaggeration to emphasize a point. For instance, as in Psalm 6, 6, David says, I'm worn out from my groaning. All night I flood my bed with weeping and drench my couch with tears. Obviously, he didn't literally flood his bed. Anthropomorphism. This gives human characteristics to God, like referring to God's eyes, hand, and arm. For instance, Amos 9.4 speaks of God's eyes. Amos 9.2 mentions God's hands. And Jeremiah 27.5 refers to God's arm. Human emotions are also ascribed to God. In Psalm 7.11, it says God is angry with the wicked every day. And in Psalm 2.4, we see God in heaven laughing. Though God is spirit, <laughs> Scripture sometimes speaks of him in human terms to describe some of his actions in ways humans can understand. However, it's important not to interpret these human characteristics to mean God the Father exists in human form. The last figure of speech we'll look at is personification, which gives human qualities to inanimate objects. In Psalm 96.11, we read, Let the heavens rejoice. Let the earth be glad. These various figures of speech, hyperbole, anthropomorphism, and personification, add depth and richness to Hebrew poetry, making it a captivating and multifaceted art form. So we've looked at three identifying features of biblical poetry, parallelism, and we saw three different types of parallelism. We looked at imagery, where we talked about metaphor and simile. And we talked of figures of speech, where we covered hyperbole, anthropomorphism, and personification. Now, 
Why is it important to understand biblical poetry? Well, it helps us grasp deeper meanings in the text and connect with the emotions and thoughts of the biblical writers. It's like a key that unlocks the richness of the scriptures. C.S. Lewis, a renowned author and scholar, stressed the importance of recognizing and understanding poetry in the Bible. He believed that the poetic parts of the Bible make the messages deeper and more intriguing. They also help you use your imagination and appreciate the beauty of the words. Additionally, poetry can help convey complex and puzzling aspects of our faith, making it easier for people to connect with the spiritual ideas. In conclusion, we've explored what biblical poetry is and why it's important to understand. While we can still grasp the scriptures without delving into the details of Hebrew poetry, because you know the Word of God is meant for everyone, not just experts and scholars. However, having this knowledge might enhance your understanding of the poetic sections of scripture. This deeper understanding can significantly enrich your experience and your insights. Thank you for tuning in. If this has been beneficial to you, please share with others, subscribe or follow. And all of you Apple Podcast listeners, drop us a review.